I was hoping this was for me because this is what I want to do. So last week, Alice said, before you leave, you have to have your slides in for your sermon. And so I did that. And then last night I looked at them and I thought, I don't know what those mean. So we're not using those. That's the only one you're going to get. Alice did that one. They were so bad, actually, that Alice fixed them and they're still not understandable. So I have three points I want to make about Esther. Um, And I'll stand so I don't fall asleep. Um, So there's... There's reversals we talked about, right? Vashti's out, Esther's in, Haman's out, Mordecai's in. And then the outside one is, it starts, the the book of Esther starts with this huge feast for King Xerxes, 180 days of him praising himself, basically. But it ends with a feast celebrating God and his deliverance. That's the ultimate reversal, not praising the king, but going to praise God. Um, But to get to that, Feast of Purim, which is called, Ruth Ann says Purim, we'll argue about that at home afterwards, I guess, what the pronunciation is, that what strikes me is that the first thing we need to know is that just when the people heard the edict that they could protect themselves, that's when they started celebrating. Nothing had actually happened yet, right? They heard the news that they were actually allowed to defend themselves, that they weren't for sure going to be slaughtered, and they started celebrating. I just think that's so deeply biblical, that what we do is live by faith. What we do is we hang on to the fact that God has made promises to us, and whether we're experiencing the fullness of it right now or not, we celebrate. Most often when we gather here after someone has passed away, we call those a celebration of life. And in those celebrations of life, as happened again this week for John Corney, people gather and they speak in anticipation of seeing the person again when we arrive in God's fullness of his heavenly kingdom, right? Everything we believe is now in part. We get a taste, we get an expectation of it, right? And all of it is a sense of God has said this is going to happen, and even though we don't have it, we believe and we live and we celebrate as if it's already fully come true. In a little while, we're going to have communion. Working hard today on the camera, aren't I? Today we're going to have communion, and when we're having communion, this again is something that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. This is an anticipatory feast, right? It's not the fullness. It's not the fullness of God's kingdom coming. It's us going, someday we're actually going to have this meal, probably with a whole lot more food, more like serve, right? The way we ate at serve. We're going to have this meal with Jesus and with the heavenly host and who knows who all is going to be there and what that all is going to look like. But it's going to be amazing. And now we still celebrate it in anticipation because the edict has been given. Yeah, that's good, that's good, that's not good. One of the things that I celebrate and got to celebrate this on serve a number of times is when I see somebody um, sorrowful, open, vulnerable, I don't celebrate that they're sorrowful, open, or vulnerable. I celebrate the anticipation that there's a good chance that if we minister to somebody when they're in a tough spot, they're going to find joy. I also went to Catch Camp. David, I didn't even know it was an acronym for something. I just thought it was Catch Camp. Uh, You saw the picture of me with a little girl. 
those kids latched on to us immediately. And the hardest part of that was we sent a different group there every day, so they got new people every day to try and latch on to, and they asked us all to come back. Right? These kids were just so hungering for connection. But even just that small, painful taste of giving a kid hope and attention, right? Um, you know, you all know it's been COVID for two years, right? In COVID, you don't shake hands anymore. These little kids would grab my hand, and they weren't really the cleanest hands, to be honest. And I hadn't held hands with anybody in a long, long time, certainly not strangers, right? And just that sense of, I am absorbing this person's pain, dirt, difficulty. But it was a sense of anticipation. I think this child received just a little piece of God's goodness in those interactions. Likewise, the different conversations I was able to have with people. I met a few kids who were going through some stuff, and I asked them some questions, and they shared some stuff with me. And there was an expectation that just in being able to announce to them hope, just being able to share with them a sense of peace and the good news, right, we began to celebrate what God is doing. As soon as the edict was given, before the fullness of it all, we start celebrating. Second point is that there's instructions to celebrate. Sad but true. We need to be told to celebrate, right? We need to regularly schedule communion. We need, to, um, we need to remind ourselves through the calendar that we should do Christmas every year. We should do Easter every year, right? And then God says, don't forget these things. Keep on doing them. Don't, um, don't let any of these traditions drop because those calendars, those reminders, those traditions, they keep us focused on those days when we're going, yeah, but I don't feel like celebrating. How do we celebrate when we've just gone through something difficult? If you've ever lost a loved one around Christmas time, a lot of people feel that. It's like it's so hard to put the joy and celebration of Christmas together with the memory of a loss of an important person in our lives. But again, since we are a people of faith and a people of hope, God says, remember, do this, continue, right? As you go, baptize. All those celebrations are commands that he calls us to do again and again with instructions. And finally, the purpose of these um, celebrations is that we remember, that we remember. I had the very difficult task, particularly with my small group at Serve, of telling them, because some of them are from Ontario, and they've threatened to come and worship with us sometime. It's not a threat, of course. And I told them, I had to tell them, here's the thing, I've got to be honest. If it's more than three months from now and you walk up to me in the foyer of Mountain View and you say, hi, Eric, with a big smile on your face, you're going to have to also tell me who you are and where we met. And I apologize because I'd like to think, because like right now I can't imagine forgetting any of those people. But I've lived my life long enough to know that that's exactly what's going to happen. A lot of you have already experienced this from me. So I just apologized and said, there's the important thing in there. I'm going to remember that we went on serve. I remember the serve I went on 20 years ago. No names again. I remember that God worked very powerfully, right? I will remember that we had this experience, but there's a chance I won't remember your name because I had hard enough time remembering it throughout the week and you had a name tag on. But the important part of that I said to them is this. You don't need to remember me and I don't need to remember you. It's not about us. This is about what God did through our relationship, through our conversation, Right? What God wants us to take out of every celebration we have as his followers is our connection with him, our experience of him, our recognition that he is powerfully at work in our lives in so many ways through this church, through its ministry, through serve, through all the different things that we do. Remember and hear the stories to be reminded that God is good all the time. 
that he's powerfully present even in the lowest moments and that he calls us to celebrate when we feel like it and when we don't because it's a promise. This may just be a small piece of bread you're getting today and a small cup of juice, but it's an anticipation of the most incredible feast when we hang around with God, when he comes down and lives among us in fullness and in power. We celebrate because he calls us to and he calls us to remember him. Let us pray. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for your incredible gifts to us. We thank you for your call to celebrate. We thank you that you give us instructions and guidance on how to do that. And we pray that each time again, when we celebrate, when we hit the milestones and traditions of our year, that we may take note of who you are, of how you're at work, that we may experience your love, and that we may overflow with that joy into the lives of others. Come meet us now, we pray in your holy name. Amen.